Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome along to the VMTV Rugby Pod. Matt Williams and Alan Quinlan, as always, join me. We're looking back at round two of the Six Nations. Suppose we better start Alan in Dublin, Ireland. Six try winners over Italy and kept them scoreless. Doesn't happen much in rugby. What did you make of the performance? Pretty impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think if you were to look at um, all the positives, there was loads there. The lineup was exceptional again. And I think, you know, obviously keeping the opposition to zero is really good as well. Um, loads of offloads defenders beaten were 33 12 offloads um so ireland's attack um is is in great shape i think where they probably let themselves down or were frustrated a little bit at times were some of the turnovers when they got into crucial positions but um you know robbie hencher scores a try you're in the 40s i think um you could have got one or two more and it could have been a lot more uh, on the scoreboard but to win 36 nil um, get lots of players on the field. Um, I think it was a really positive day for Ireland. I think there is an expectancy around this this team and maybe an expectancy in the Aviva Stadium as well that um, it was a bit quieter and subdued a little bit at times because um, I think you know everyone probably... The only satisfactory situation for some people there would be 50 or 60 points to nil. And... You know, so it felt a little bit quieter towards the end of the game, but um, overall, Andy Farrell would be very pleased. Matt, you were in studio with us. Andy Farrell, as Quinny says, will be very pleased. What do you think he'll be pleased most about? On the first half display, the, as Alan said, the, the um, resurgence of the line-out back to where it was this time last year. And again, they stole some ball off the Italians. Uh, dominating territory, dominating possession. Uh, they, uh, they dominated possession so much, I've got it written down here. Uh, the Italians were forced to make 209 tackles, and Ireland only had to make 95. So, you know, that more than double the number of tackles. So that's how much they were dominating possession and position. And the first, those two first-half tries uh, that were not the mall tries, the ball-in-hand tries, were, were absolutely fantastic tries. And I think that shows... Uh, again, to your your question, Stu, Andy would be delighted at the attacking system that Ireland have, and, and uh, Mike Cap deserves a lot of credit here. He doesn't get a lot, but he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, the system they have in attack, when they've taken their greatest player out, Sexton, and you put Crowley in, the system is so well coached that it just continues to blow on. And um, while Jack Crowley played... With ball in hand, really, really well. A fantastic display with the ball in hand. Not his kicking game, but his ball in hand game was first class. That that team gelled. There was same. The forwards were in motion. People knew their roles. There were decoy runners. The blind wingers 
were, were really huge in both those tries, either getting the ball or, uh, as in, in Nash, took a, got a great carry in the first one, and uh, uh, James Lowe was a decoy on the second one. You know, it's just really great play. And, and also, obviously, having the younger players um, and, and the, the, the guys that aren't necessarily in the first 15 stepping up and playing so well. I think he'd be really happy with that. What he'd be unhappy with was when the changes came in, like Alan sort of um, referred to there in the second, late in the second half, it did get clunky, to use Andy's term. That's exactly what he said after the game. But I, I think that's to be understand, understandable because of the seven players out, Todd Byrne, Peter Armani, Connor Murray, Healy, Furlong, Aki, and Gary Ringrose, which I forgot to mention there, there's the seventh one out. You take all those great players out, the team still did really well and defended magnificently as well. So lots and lots to be happy with. They've got a points differential of 58, puts them 50 points above their nearest rival. So even if they drop a game, they're still going to be almost impossible to beat for the championship as long as it's only one game. So, like, you, you couldn't think of a better uh, start to the first two rounds of the Six Nations for Ireland. Alan, what a problem to have for a coach, you know, you make so many changes and they all come in and have very good games. Yes, I know you gave it your man of match, James Lowe, who is a starter and one of the best out there at the moment. But in general, the strength and depth, it's just through the charts, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think this has developed probably uh, before the World Cup. Um, not just, um, this isn't a kind of a quick transition and Ireland have got to get a load of players out and a load in. Um, it's a, it's it's an exceptional squad, and I think this group are are further ahead than than the, all the other teams. I think France, obviously, without Dupont and Intermac, are a different team, and we've seen that. And and the hangover there, probably suffering from the World Cup, is is has affected them. Um, they still have you know a number of players injured as well. Um, Miafu, the Toulouse second row, Taufifanua, Paul Willems has gone. That's a lot of strength and power that's out of that French side and into Mac and DuPont. So um, I don't think we should get carried away, but the reality is Ireland, are, are, their game is in better shape than, than the other the other nations. And um, it's a really good place to be. I think, you know, you had third-choice tight-head Tom O'Toole finishing the game. You third-choice loose-head and Jeremy Lockman finishing the game. Um, Harry Byrne, you could argue and say, realistically, is he second or third choice? Probably third choice, fly half, um, getting plenty of game time. Jordan Larmer, um, you know, being in, on the field as well. So there's a number of players there getting valuable experience and game time. Jack Conan reminded everyone how good a player he is. Um, so I think very important uh, depth in this squad. Um, and the emergence of Joe McCarthy gives you that real kind of physical presence in the second row. So he's added to that list now of in, in an area that may be a little bit of concern. Um, now he he's probably, you know, up the ante with a lot of other players. Ian Henderson, with all his experience coming on, ran that line out really well. So they're in a good position. I think the challenge, Calvin Nash has been superb as well. The challenge for the group going forward, I think, is... Um, they're obviously just focusing on Six Nations now and trying to do what no other side has done and win back-to-back Grand Slams in the, in the, the modern era. Um, but I think the challenge going forward will be to try and get the age profile 
down a little bit and get some really young players and, and drop them in there. You know, there's a number of the players that I mentioned there are not youngsters. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're guys in their mid to late 20s. So, of course, Harry Byrne is still very young. Jordan Larmer is still relatively young. But um, I think that's the challenge going forward. But it's a great position for them to be in. And I, I was thinking about this. I don't know what you think, Matt. I think after the disappointment of the World Cup, I think nothing less than a Grand Slam would would make up, go somewhat towards making it up, up that disappointment in the World Cup. I think if they were to finish after the Scotland game winning a Grand Slam, and there's no guarantee here because we don't want to be giving ammunition to the Scots or the English or the Welsh in the next few weeks, um, but there is no guarantee. But I think if they were to win back to, to this Grand Slam again, I think it would it would be a real good um, energy booster for this group going forward. Matt, one of the young players I want to mention is Jack Crowley. You've been very complimentary with him with ball in hand and controlling the ship. You were pretty critical of him off the tee. Is that not something which he will just grow with and with more pressure involved, he'll start to kick those goals? And where are your concerns in there? Sure, I think Jack played superbly with the ball in hand. The week before in Marseille off the tee, he was fantastic. So... So let's, let's, I'm in no way am I trying to pull the young man down or say he's not a quality player. I'm just making the observations. He's, and, and I want, uh, and we're, uh, not that Andy listens to me, but I want them to stick with him. I, I think it's, they're doing the right thing. Jack is not the finished article. We all just have to understand that. If you are going to survive as the international 10, and in Ireland, you're going to be the goal kicker because there's no one else kicking goals in that team except the tens, right? So let's let's just do that. Um, you have to be kicking around 85%, ideally 85%. Sexton kicked 88% at last year's Six Nations. Ramos kicked 84%. No one wins big championships kicking below 85%. That's just a stat that's held across time. Like, yeah, you know, Grant Fox, 87 World Cup, Michael Liner, 91. Uh, uh, you, you, you can go through Matt Burke in 99, uh, Johnny Wilkinson in 2003, uh, Stain uh, in, in 2007, Dan Carter, Dan Carter, uh, uh, you know, like everyone going through, and then Andre Pollard, all those either kicked 100%, so Burke and Pollard kicked 100% at World Cups, or they kicked above 85%. That is held across the whole World Cup cycle. Um so you, you've just got to do that. And you, if you're going, you, you can't stay at 85%. If one week you're kicking six, six out of seven and the next week you're kicking two out of five, like that doesn't keep your percentages high enough. So Jack has to work at that. He's got to be more consistent with his kicking game. His ball and hand game in both Marseille and in uh, the Aviva was great. He was ch- he's been charged down twice in two games. That's his depth. And that's his, his selection of when to kick. He can kick. He's a great kicker. We know that out ahead. But his choice of what he's kicking, he has to get better at at the international game. He's, when he's getting charged down, he's too flat. So that's a depth issue and choosing when to kick and, and that. Off the tee, it's on the right-hand side of the field. He's, he's seen, and he's a, he's a right footer. So people at home, when you're a right footer, the left-hand side of the field is easier for you. It's just natural where you come around. 
So Jack has to go away. And I don't know who's his kicking coach, but he definitely needs kicking coaching. He needs to get that up. If he gets his kicking game up to that 85%, he'll hold that jersey for as long as he wants. If he doesn't get it up to 85%, they will give other people a go. Ross Byrne is coming back. Um, and, and Ross kicks around that percentage. Ross is a very, very high percentage kicker. You're not going to go to South Africa and go to the high veld and win unless you're kicking in that, that 80, 80, 80 to 87% bracket. Matt, I think you did John Eels a disservice there. Was he not the kicker in 99? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Berkey kicked, no, Berkey. Coach Matty Berkey. He kicked 100%. Berkey kicked 100%. In one game, he didn't play. Back to the serious stuff. Alan, do you want to pitch in with that and Jack Crowley? Well, I think the kicking is, is, is something he needs to he can get better at and it's just a little bit of composure his technique there's nothing wrong with it i think the more practice um the better you get but i think overall what what you're getting from jack crowley is really really positive i think it's a win-win situation for ireland and um he's a very mature uh, steely minded uh, youngster who's started his international career i know he's he's been involved probably for 12 to 14 months before before this Six Nations. But, you know, your first Six Nations start in Marseille and then your first start in Dublin in the Six Nations match. I think it's been very, very positive. I think there's so many good parts to his game that are very difficult to coach. So there's a lot of great fundamentals that are there. Um, he's brave, he's physical, he's athletic. And, you know, Matt, as Matt said, the stuff that we're talking about is stuff that you just need to look back at, work with the coaches and just get his timing right and decision-making a little bit different uh, regarding that depth, when to kick, when to pass. Um, and I think there's, it's, it's been nothing but positive. The penalty kicks or the conversions um, that we're talking about getting up into that high percentage rate, um, that's just practice, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with Jack Crowley's technique. He's well able to strike the ball and... Uh, I think he just needs to um, keep going at that. It's like any of the great kickers, they're just constantly on it. And I think it's a different environment when you're out kicking for, for the Irish team as it regards kicking for your province in a URC game. But um, overall, it's been very, very positive for Jack Crowley. And I think he's been absolutely superb. And I think we're blessed that we have a player who, as Matt was saying, fits into the system. He's a running fly half. He's not afraid of contact. He's 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 a strong defender. He's clearing people out in rocks. Uh, if somebody else makes a carry, you know he's not afraid to get in and be physical. So I think it's it's been um, all positive from Jack Crowley. Matt, a final one before we look at the other teams in the competition with Ireland. You know, two weeks in, people are saying the gaps pretty big between Ireland and the rest of the Six Nations team. I'm not sure it's as big as people are saying. I don't know why I think that. I think England and maybe are slightly better than what people are giving them credit for. Am I wrong there? And is the gap actually a lot bigger than I maybe think? Uh, uh, Stu, I left Joel Stransky out in 95 <laughs> too. <laughs> and you don't uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You'd never let me away with that. Like, <laughs> um, Stu, it's a hard one to say. Look, uh, England are in a really – the way that the tournament pans out for them, they're in a really fortunate um, uh, draw. So they had Italy first, 
who probably the weakest team. Wales next and appearing to be the second weakest. They'll go to Scotland next and then Scotland are, I think Scotland are a very good team. They're just so inconsistent. They're inconsistent again on the weekend. They then get Ireland at home before they get France away. Now, so that lets them sort of get three games where they're putting a new attack coach and a new defence coach with this system's going. Now, the, 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 the defensive system that Felix Jones is putting in is still betting in. Now, that's not a criticism of Felix or the system. That's going to take time, that's the reality. Same with their attack. I, I think the big test on where England is going to be is Twickenham uh, because Ireland are going to go there. If it's a wet day, that will, that will certainly take this great attacking shape that Ireland have that really troubled France and really, you know, took Italy apart with six players out. Now, seven players out. Those seven players hopefully will be back for that game. Full-strength Ireland without a system. I, I, I can't see that defensive system that Felix is putting in being ready to cope with that. There are still huge spaces on the side of that English defensive system that Wales are, were not good enough to exploit. There was so much ruck pass to a forward runner. Ruck pass to a, it was one-off rugby. As I said, it was like rugby league in the 1960s. It was just tackle pass, tackle pass, tackle pass. They couldn't, they don't have an attack, Wales currently don't have an attacking system to exploit that. Ireland do. Now, um, but, but I would agree with you that that we don't really know, and you don't really know until the final whistle of the last game. But what they've done in Marseille in particular tells me that this island side post-World Cup 2023 are emotionally, mentally and structurally uh, far better uh, organised and, and you know, performing at a higher level than the other teams. Uh, the, the thing that shocked us all is how, how low France are and probably how good Scotland are in patches, but they just, just can't hold it together for 80 minutes. Uh, and we saw that again the other day. Scotland should have won that game by, by a considerable margin. Instead, they, they let it slip through their fingers. So I don't think we're – it's not bragging. It's not being brash. You're just looking at the facts right now. I, I think – and without dismissing the Welsh, because Warren Gatlin says he's going to make his team hard to beat, and they are. You look at them. They've hung in there in both those games. They're going to – they're going to hang in there and be really difficult at the Aviva in the next game. But if you if you just sit back and you're dispassionate and you look at it all, uh, this Irish team is before, is currently after two rounds, certainly the leading team of, of this year's Six Nations. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Alan, if England play like they did against South Africa in that semi-final, I know South Africa weren't on it, and if Ireland aren't quite on it, how close is the gap? Um, I think from a technical point of view and a playing style point of view, obviously Ireland are are more advanced like, than do the you other mean teams. Stri- do you mean streaks ahead or just a bit ahead? Um, a good bit ahead from an attack point of view. I think they've, um, if they're allowed to play. But the problem you have here, Stuart, is and um, rugby's a physical game. England are a perfect example of a team who were playing really poorly going into a World Cup. A lot of negative rugby, kicking the ball a lot, um, struggling to find any sort of shape or structure. Uh, they really simplified things. Then when they got to the World Cup, they were just relentless against Argentina with their kicking, their pressure, their defence, uh, their maul, their scrum, all the simple things um, that you can do when you're a physical side. And you know they won convincingly against Argentina in the first game. Everybody thought Argentina would win that game. They continued on, you know, uh, with poor kind of. Um, low-key performances but then you get to a semi-final and they just they muscled up and they kicked and put a lot of pressure on the kick chase and they frustrated the life out of South Africa and on the balance of of the game you probably say they should have and could have won that game and they could have been in a final are they capable of doing the same thing to Ireland absolutely because you're always going to get a physical approach and a physical aggressive um dominant kind of a, a confrontational approach from England and historically they've been always been bigger and able to muscle up against against um, against better teams who are more skillful so ultimately rugby comes down to that sometimes which is a little bit unfair um, so they're capable of doing that and uh, you know under no circumstance can Ireland underestimate Wales or England or Scotland I don't think they will but I just think for us on the outside, they're a better team. Um, they're a very balanced team. Ireland themselves are quite, are well able to match um, f- physical, more bigger sides against themselves. Um, but you would be, you wouldn't be getting carried away thinking Ireland is going to turn up and twicken them and win there. No way. It's not, that's not going to happen. I think any sort of a win uh, for them in Twickenham will be really sufficient and I think, but will Ireland, the question I always get asked, will Ireland change the way they play? No, they won't, because I think they're, they're gone so far and they're so cohesive in their attack. I think in the other side of things, they should. Um, and maybe against New Zealand, that quarterfinal, maybe we needed to be a bit more pragmatic and kick a little bit more and actually get into the opposition half and uh, with some good tactical territorial kicks. But... Um, I wouldn't be overly concerned, but you're not going to just turn up against any of the three teams and, and, and ex- expect to have a waltz in the park. When you're the underdog and Warren Gatlin's team will be abrasive and aggressive and Ireland are going to have to be patient in all these three games. But, you know, if you ask us, are, are they good enough to win and should they win the three games? The answer is yes. Yeah, fair point. They should, as you say, and on form, they, they should, of course. Matt Murrayfield on Saturday afternoon. You were in studio, Scotland, France. All comes down, of course, to the referee's question. But for you, a try? 
Stu, I thought it was a try. Uh, let, let, let's come back a bit. Let, let me say I really feel for the officials here. I thought referee Barry did a really good job in that game because we hardly knew he was there. He didn't. I, I don't think he made a, bad calls. I thought he, he was staying out of it. It, it should never have been in that situation. Scotland should have had that game long before it got to that point. And, you know, there was a scrum just before halftime. There was a sin bin to the French. At the second setting of that scrum, and it's at the 41-minute mark, take the points, get ahead. Scotland seemed to think that they could just rope-a-dope France for that last 40 minutes. And it was, it was never going to be the case. France played really poorly. Probably six seconds of great rugby from uh, Bill Berry, a great kick through, terrible backfield defending from the Scots, shocking positioning from their fullback, and they score a try, and all of a sudden they're behind. They then play really well, get the ball in hand, show what they can do, and they can play good rugby, but they should have done that for a lot more in the second half and put the game away, get two scores ahead, and uh, got to that last one. So what did refer- you looked at the replay, and the referee said, held up, it's hit a leg, and when you see the replay, it does hit a leg, and then it definitely slides onto the ground. There's no doubt it got grounded. And again, I felt for the for the TMO because what the way it works, the referee said, I have no try. Can you give me evidence that that's a try? Now, we could see it hit the ground, and you, we all knew it was a try. Everyone knew it was a try, but you couldn't tell if it was over the line. And so was it definitely over the line? And he couldn't prove that. And I, I, I really felt for the officials because they, they're, they've got to stick to their guidelines and what it says. On the guidelines, that was no try. Did I personally feel it was a try? Yes, I did. And I think everyone did. Now, here's the only other part. If we didn't have a TMO, it's no try. Because the referee said, held up, and if there was no TMO, in the game. It's over. But it wasn't. Uh, justice... Was justice done? Probably not. You could go back and say there was a, a great break by um, uh, Gail Fiku in the first half. He's tackled. It's a strap tackle. It probably should have been a penalty by uh, Venomua. He gets up. He's, he is offside by half a step, half a metre, takes the intercept from a pass, runs 40 metres. That should have been a penalty that would have that led to try with the game. Been over. We don't know. But... Did the officials act in the right way? That's the question. In my book, they did. Again, I felt for them, and I, 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 we all felt it was a try, but the, their hands were tied on the way they are told or structured to ask their questions and make their decisions. That's my opinion. I can understand why other people come from it from another point of view. Very, very frustrating for the Scots. I'll take away that last infringement, or sorry, a uh, bit of play. Scotland would have felt that game was certainly there for the taking and did you feel they could have played a bit more in the second half you know we saw plenty of kicking the old DuPont laws they say but really did you think they'd perform better and actually could have been further ahead against France but then of course Bilberet just did his magic and that really was the making of the game yeah look it's understandable and it's easy talk from the outside when you're um when you're ahead like that and you don't really feel the opposition are threatening your line too much, um, it's easy, and you're six points up, it's easy to kind of fall into that scenario of just kick, play that kick tennis and contain a little bit. And usually 
we only see a bit of panic from teams when they go behind. And then when, you know, when Beal Barry scores a try, Scotland started to go, Jesus, we could lose this game. And we've been pretty comfortable. France really haven't really troubled us a lot. Scotland were stealing their lineouts. They were frustrating them. They were getting on the front foot. They were getting good quality ball, but they just weren't playing um, the way I thought they should have. It was one more surge, one more score, and that game was French heads would have dropped and Scotland would have won comfortably in the end. So I think they'll be frustrated looking back at it. Um, they started chasing things then when 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 they went behind. Um, I disagree with Matt here about Nick Berry because I thought and I'm not it's not a big criticism it's something that bugs me a little bit um didn't he got all his decisions right in the game I'm not saying he got Anton wrong but he's doing a lot of coaching he's telling players stand here go back here offside hold your hands release the ball uh, stay on side and I noticed that more when you're in commentary. So maybe when you're in the studio, and I mean disrespectfully, Matt, I just have a bit of bugbear for modern day referees. They're literally coaching players where they should go, where they shouldn't go. And then you have players who can push push the, the pin a little bit and they because they 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 get they know they have a referee who's gonna say, Oh, step back a little bit there, you're offside. I think there should be less of that in the game. Uh, the kick tennis stuff that was going on, that's out of his control, obviously, and all our control, but World Rugby need to change that because you have too many players in the middle of the field just standing still. You've got to work players, uh, fatigue them. player who kicks the ball has got to bring people on site and they can't move until they're brought on site. This scenario of standing uh, 10 yards away from the, from, from the receiver and you can move forward when he moves is wrong. Um, the decision at the end of the game... There's three questions uh, Nick Berry can ask. Uh, three situations here. The, the first one was, it's held up. Um, can you show me if it's a try? Or ch- basically change his mind. His, his decision, it's held up. Can you provide evidence that the try has been scored? The next question he can ask is, try yes or no? That's kind of passing it over to the TMO. And then you're in a situation of, well, in all probabilities, the TMO can get to that point easy and say, look, I'm 90% sure there's a try scored here. And he can say, look, uh, the ball has been grounded. It's a try. Um, And and the other one is, uh, I knew I'd I'd forget myself when I'm saying this. Um, Is there any reason I cannot award the try? So if Nick Berry gives the try um, and there's a bit of controversy and the TMO says, "Oh, oh, check, check, check. I need to have a look at this. I'm not sure if it's a try. So there's kind of three situations there. I thought Nick Berry, he initially says held up, which that was the picture. Then the ball gets pulled down. He's the best place person to stick his head in there. And we often see it two or three seconds after everything goes quiet and the referee is rummaging through the crowd. And then he goes, try. I think Nick Berry, he, he got really hooked into it's held up rather than giving it a second or two, even if he says it's held up, it's held up, but then going through and, and, and staying on it. So he kind of finished his scenario when he said held up. And I think if he stayed on the situation there, um, he would have been able to say, I changed my own mind and I think that's a try because he's the closest to it. The picture we see, we definitely see a ball flopping down. Brian McInnes, the yeah, TMO. That's what I was going to say, Quinny. Do you he, think, though, by 
you know, by the third, there was a third replay or fourth replay. I thought he was going to change his mind, and then they showed one more. I, I thought so. Did too. you think he was going to change? And then what do you think? <laughs> Who knows what goes on in people's brains? I did. What do you think but, he but saw the, the last one to be like? No, I'm actually not going to change. I'm going to stick with no try. Well, you you see the situation that developed with uh, the referee has already made the decision that the ball is held up. So Brian McInnes has to be 100% sure that the try is scored. The, yeah. We see the ball going down. Is it on the line? Probably, but not definitely. Oh, yeah. Is there is there a couple of finger, fingers under that ball? Yeah. Highly unlikely, but possibly. So yeah. this stuff is going through Brian Mac. He has to have a picture that says this try is 100% scored. Loads of people are putting still shots up and on uh, the internet and taking pictures from the cameras and widening it and all that. It looks like the ball is down. But then if you're a French player and you say, well, I, honest to God, I, my fingertips are under that ball. Again, it's highly unlikely. But Brian McInnese, he stuck to the protocol. He has to provide 100% evidence that it's a try. Not, not, he can't overrule the referee if he's 85, 90% sure it's a try. So we're all pretty sure it's a try. But I think it broke down there and ultimately it goes back to Nick Berry. I think he should have been digging his head through that roll when all the Scottish people were shouting, it's down, it's down, it's down. And he should have changed his mind and said, I now see the ball on the ground. But look, very unfortunate situation uh, for Scotland because that would have been a big win for him. You know, we, we spoke about the consistency and I think, again, they let one slip here. France were not at their best. like, And France were not at their best against Ireland. So, like, that's the point without us getting carried away. I think that's when you can get really, you know, you can get egg in your face very quickly. Um, but Scotland had that game for the winning and... You know, to be fair to Finn Russell, I like the fact that he came out and said, "Look, we've no one to blame on ourselves." Yeah, Matt. Um, of course, Scotland come to Ireland in round five. Hopefully, for Ireland's sake, that's for the Grand Slam and the Championship. Uh, obviously, there's always a chance, but Scotland will take it to Ireland. Any chance in round five of them maybe doing a number in Ireland or no for you? Um, Stu, this is the frustrating thing of must be frustrating for the players of the team and Gregor. They're a capable team. Um, but, but they're not they're not performing for the eighty minutes. You know, they're not they're not putting eighty minutes of work in. They're only doing it in, in patches. We saw it against Wales, we saw it against uh, uh, against France last week. When they play, they're very good. And they can really trouble on. It's the eighty minutes of high quality performance that we just have no evidence of seeing uh, this year, even at the World Cup, um, you know they were out. They got beaten by the bigger teams pretty, pretty badly. Uh, certainly, South Africa and Ireland, you know, did them pretty uh, substantially. And now, now, and again, there's no doubt in the quality of the players, but the 80-minute performance just isn't there. They'll, and they look, they come into the Aviva, they'll need 80 minutes to do it. So right now, you got to say, well, we haven't got any evidence of that. But they, 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 are, they are capable of progressing and moving forward. It's, it's what they've done last week. They've done for the last three or four seasons. They've put in a good performance, might be a weekly performance. They beat England and France away, then they lose at home to Wales. So it's the same thing. They, they go down to Cardiff, first winning Cardiff in 
20 odd years and they come home, they've got a very poor French team, they've got them on the ropes and they let them off the hook. Now, you, now remembering what Ireland did to France in Marseille, so the Scottish performance to beat Ireland will have to be substantially above what they put in last week. Are they capable of it? Yes, but that is an aspiration right now. Uh, they've got to, they're aspiring to that. It's not something like we're saying with Ireland where we're actually physically seeing excellent performances uh, uh, from them post-World Cup. Must be very frustrating for Scottish fans to deliver the mix of performances. Alan Twickenham, the last game we'll talk about, Wales v England. Wales took it to them very much so and were in control actually at half time, but England dug deep and got their second win of the championship. First of all, Stuart, the Scottish fans love having a pop off Matt Williams anyway there, so uh He can't help he, himself. Uh, out. I don't think they can ha- I, I do I don't think they can have a pop off you this week, Matt, because it's a hundred percent true. this is okay, lads, show me consistency and they're not they're not showing that. You know, they're very good players. Um their their back line are so dangerous, uh, but you know, unfortunately they they just it's that bit of killer ruthless edge that they're they're lacking, unfortunately. But um, yeah, Wales, I think, um, should be very encouraged. You know, they're they're in a real rebuilding process. I think um, there's a number of players in the Welsh squad that we've seen very little of. Uh, not you know, not to talk about international level, but even at URC level. So there's there's some very good young players. They they are a very young side, and they caused England problems. But um, Unfortunately, they made some errors and mistakes as well and lacked a little bit of control. They had 13, England were down to 13 men and Ben Earl scores a try. Wales have really got to look at themselves for how they cleared from from those situations there. Johan Lai got caught by, by a toge, turned over, scrum, try conceded. And, you know, that shouldn't happen when you're down a number of players. Um but look, I think Warren Gatland will be encouraged. I think there's probably a little bit of less pressure on Wales because there's so many much of their experience gone and um, they're trying to blood new players and trying to get young players through. And, uh, you know, but it was a poor game again. You know, it was a poor game from an attack and execution point of view from both sides. But England just kind of muscled up at times and were physical and, and got a stayed in the game i think the crucial part is that that ben earl try and um but wales you know the the their ambition and 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 ability to attack is there and they want to play more but i just think they're lacking that little bit of power up front and uh it'll be interesting to see you know what they bring to dublin how confident they are um but i suppose gatland will be conf uh you know pretty 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 pleased with Probably the half of rugby, the second half against Scotland and most of the game against England, they had that game, it was there for the taking and they just didn't have that killer kind of punch to win it in the end. Matt, a final one for you in this week's pod. Two weeks into the Championship, has it gone the way you would have felt, maybe apart from France, under-delivering? Pretty much, Joe. I think the, the biggest issue is how poor France are. I, I didn't pick that. Um... You know, in Marseille last week, talking to everyone on the sideline, including Al, we bumped into each other before the game. No one thought it was going to be five tries to one to Ireland. Everyone thought a close game. Ireland could win if they scored early. But the, the performance of the French team has been disastrous. I mean, they, they've got to go to Cardiff. 
um, uh, on the second last weekend. You know, that, that's, that's going to be a troublesome game for them. You know, that's going to be a troublesome game for them. So uh, where they are emotionally as a team um, is very poor. They're, they're just not at the right emotional pitch. Their line-out has, has just fallen apart, like drastically fallen apart, and they, they are lacking direction in attack. They're, they're, Gail Fiku had a, a much better game there the other day. You wouldn't know Jonathan Dante was on the field. So that's the big issue so far. And look, I've got to say the other one. I didn't expect Ireland to be this good. I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't expect them to be so seamless without Sexton. And, and you know, uh, again, we've got to give Jack Crowley so much credit for that in attack, as, as we've said earlier in the show. His attack with ball in hand has been really first class. And those systems that, that Ireland have in place have just worked magnificently. And I, I expected some form of, of betting in period forever that they, they would pick as 10, and Crowley's done a great job. As I said, it's just Jack's pick selection in general play, and he's kicking off the two last week that is showing inconsistencies. And young players and young teams like Wales give you inconsistency. That's part of the learning curve. They give you inconsistency. What's helping Jack with the Irish team is there are so many experienced players across that team, seven seven players to come back into that side to add to that leadership around him. So he's just got to get his kicking to right. So I, 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 the other part is I did expect England to be performing poorly, as I said, because they're betting in new systems. A year down the track, I think it would be a very different English performance. So the, there's there's... There's not a lot that, that we're not expecting, but Ireland's excellence and France's, so, the demise so far of France as far as their performance goes, yeah, they're, they're both pretty surprising. Well, Matt and Alan, thanks as always. There's a break week this week in the Six Nations, but we'll be back next week ahead of Ireland v Wales at the Aviva. Thanks as always, man. Cheers, Stuart. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Alan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.